first Thursday of the month, and not even coronavirus can keep us from our monthly check-in with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder. But we usually will do this in person, in studio. That's not possible these days. Our studio has been closed to the public. So the mayor joins us by phone this afternoon for a lot of questions about uh, the virus that has changed almost everything here in Springfield. Mayor Jim Langfelder, welcome. Thanks for taking the time. Really do appreciate it. Well, thank you, Jim. Mayor, appreciate the opportunity. Let's just start by asking, uh, what are your days like these days? What What did your job entail before the last few weeks that just doesn't get done anymore because you're focusing so much on this? Well, the uh, coronavirus has monopolized not only my time, but uh, director's time. I mean, all of uh, city operations uh, for the past month, but uh, most exponentially when um, I think it was probably about three weeks ago, um, that's when it really started ramping up on a regular basis because uh, as the virus starts spreading uh, throughout our country, we're taking steps to try to prepare for the worst. And so that not only goes with providing the services that you can, uh, but also keeping the workforce safe. And then we always thought that there could be a stay-at-home uh, order in place by the governor, which he rightfully did. Um, but with that challenge, you need to make sure that you have the operations in place where you can provide the essential services while staggering your workforce to keep them safe. Because as we all know, if you come in contact or, fight, you know, if one individual uh, conducts the virus and then anybody that they were in close proximity with for a prolonged period of time, they need to be quarantined. So that could be very detrimental to our workforce, especially for police and fire and others that do the day-to-day services that we rely upon. Is this pretty much the only thing you're dealing with now as mayor is some some element of the coronavirus response and how it's impacting city operations? Uh, without a doubt, it's uh, monopolized. I mean, for days on end, it was uh, the full focus of everybody and it still is the full focus. Um, from time to time, we do have city council uh, meetings that we plan to do uh, because it's important that one that's it's a double um, it's a double prong you know with the pandemic in itself but the economic impact afterwards is what we have to make sure we mitigate as much as possible that's why we move forward with a lot of our projects that we have in the works especially for public works the rail project anything related to the utility so um, when this is uh, all said and done we can uh, move and keep uh, projects moving ahead uh, for our economic development and growth of our community. Well, and that's uh, obviously one of the big areas to focus on today is we we know that this inevitably is going to mean a huge hit in sales tax revenue with bars closed, restaurants probably only doing a fraction of the business they were doing. Video gaming is closed down, and we know the city was relying on, on those revenues uh, for various expenditures. Do you have any sense yet as to what this is going to mean in, in terms of tax revenues for the month of March, what you're anticipating for April, and, and how you're going to have to adjust the budget to accommodate this new reality? Well, uh, fortunately, we did have a pretty healthy uh, fund balance, uh, so we'll rely upon that. But you're right, it, it's devastating with regards to, you know, we have conventions that are um, canceling, you know, especially for the month of April and uh, going into May. And I think so far, it's been a $15 million impact of 
funds being spent. So it's not all sales tax, of course, but if someone comes and stays, they spend so much in our community, so it has a residual impact. But with regards to the impact of the budget, we probably won't really have a handle on that till I would say, June. I was uh, going over it with uh, Director McCarty yesterday, and you know how conservative Director McCarty is. Well, his number was a lot lower than mine. I just think it's uh, – I think it's uh, – we need to prepare for – uh, the worst case scenario, but I, I just don't think anybody knows at this point. But uh, you know, we were looking at possibly a potential up up to a twelve million dollar impact on the corporate fund, and how do we mitigate that? Is through um, you know we've always slowed down hiring. Uh, we'll continue to do that, but in operations, how um, how do we handle that? Especially with our utility, you know, we're going through the decommissioning process. We'll continue to do that because when we do that, that will impact our community from the utility rate standpoint. So what the coronavirus has done is it's it's all important for all of us to take a step back, you know, in our family lives, our businesses, our government, and this will change the way we deliver services as it's impacting us right now. So our, the future of technology is being thrust upon us right now exponentially. We've been moving towards that, but as far as uh, you know, looking at how we deliver services, I think uh, everybody's going to take a hard look at that and see how best we can improve the way we do that. Now, when you say City Budget Director Bill McCarty's numbers were lower than yours, does that mean he was anticipating less of a financial hit to the budget than you were? Uh, correct. I mean, he 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 deals with the facts, hard-based numbers, and he's looking at, like you said, you know, uh, we're looking at right now the state uh, foregone the sales tax. They gave a deferment to the businesses. So it's really nobody really knows the true impact because, you know, the state, has uh, you know authority to do certain things, and that could impact us locally. Uh, so he's looking at it from the standpoint of sales tax uh, um, and other income tax, things of that nature, as I am. But I'm looking further out, and I just look at the long-term impact, and I think that's, uh, that's where the differential is. But, again, nobody really knows, but I'm uh, one to be more conservative in that regards because uh, I think uh, what you want at the end of the day is to make sure that you continue to provide the services that everybody wants, needs, and deserves. But on the same point is how do we best uh, mitigate the economic impact because uh, we're looking at, you know, is there a way that we can help support businesses? So we'll probably look at our budget, reprioritize things. Um, are there developments or can we do any type of uh, bond issuance or something to help stimulate uh, the development uh, within our own community as much as possible? Uh, in, in trying to assess the impact of this, you know, we have businesses that are closed that have been for weeks that will be at least until the end of April. For some of those folks, they're not operating on big margins anyway, and it's hard to see how they bounce back from this. What are you hearing from business owners? Are, are we expecting that businesses that have been closed down during this period, some number, maybe even a substantial number of them simply won't ever reopen? Well, there's a always that possibility. But, you know, with any community like Springfield, the backbone of our communities are the small business owners. So we need to do what we can to help support them. And this really uh, emphasizes in a new level the importance of local first, because I think, uh, you know, now people are, um, you know, the bricks and mortars is what, you know, our neighbors work at, things of that nature. So I think the emphasis will be there afterwards. I think uh, there will be a rebound. But there is a, you know, a concern with online shopping. I think people are looking to that now, especially if they're in their homes. But we really need, when this is all said and done, 
we really need to be cognizant and do whatever we can to help support the local businesses and the brick and mortars that we have uh, here locally because that's, you know, our neighbors, like I said, they do uh, pay property taxes, sales tax, and that helps us provide the police, the fire, and all the services that the uh, people expect. Talking with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder. Mayor, when you talk about changing the way we deliver services, and I know a lot of uh, workers are working from home, I, I don't you know, have any handle as far as can they do most of what they were doing in their offices? Can they do that at home? Is this suggesting to you we're going to need to make modifications overall in the city workforce? Do we need to think about potentially cutting uh, some of the headcount, not filling vacancies uh, as we get through the year if people leave or retire or whatever just leaving those spots vacant is is that likely in the months to come well uh, as people leave again that's the opportunity to take a hard look at it uh, i think with technology we're moving this direction with public works for instance in our city works uh, when someone's out in the field doing an inspection on a uh, project what they do they uh, would use their uh, iPad or laptop, enter the information, and then that flows through to the other departments as opposed to a paper-driven uh, technology. And we've been working on that for uh, years, quite honestly, but it takes uh, millions of dollars to get to the level we need to. So we're uh, getting to that point, but I think this emphasizes the need to uh, really make that true commitment and get it done ASAP. Uh, with regards to individual workers now, we do have a lot of individuals working remotely, um, each department took a look at, okay, who would need, would have that capabilities to do so and have the technology to do so. So we're working towards that as well. But as we move forward, uh, of course, you're going to look at how can we be more efficient. Um, and this goes right to the heart of the broadband initiative the governor was going to roll out. I think it was due yesterday, April 1st was a grant, but they extended it. And we were looking at it from the aspect of uh, providing uh, fiber services. We already had that through the utility and uh, capitalizing on that asset. But now we're seeing it with telehealth. We're seeing it with e-learning. And so that will move exponentially, and we intend to be on the forefront with that technology. So every time there's a downside of uh, this type of situation, the upside is the innovation, the technology, and the new jobs that can be created from what's happening. Last Springfield City Council meeting done via Zoom, which I've, I don't know about you, I've had more Zoom meetings in the last couple of weeks than in my entire life uh, previously. Uh, but uh, one of the issues on the agenda for uh, that meeting was the, uh, the proposed purchase of the old Vibra Hospital, a $2 million transaction. Uh, what's, what's the plan there? What's, that, uh, what's the city hoping to do with that? Well, actually, uh, we were looking at it for a crisis intervention, um, and this was probably, well, well, now it's been probably two months or longer. Uh, we've had conversations with, uh, well, on Gateway in particular, because of the, uh, they help us with the Safe Passage Program. Uh, and those that aren't familiar with it, it's uh, for individuals that might have an addiction and they want help. They can go into the police department and, you know, say, I want help, and they um, provide that partnership with Gateway to give them a pathway forward. And so when I had conversations with them, uh, they said one of the uh, gaps of services uh, through the state not having a budget for two years and federal government gutting uh, mental health services or addiction services is uh, crisis intervention funding. And so from that standpoint, uh, you know, uh, we knew that there was a need for detox, things of that nature. So there was the interest of Vibra. It's a $20 million 
facility. And so we did a walkthrough over there. And uh, when this pandemic hit, one of the things that uh, you'll need is spaces and people to help serve uh, for backup. You know, people get sick or quarantine or what have you. So you need people from that aspect, spaces from the aspect of service or quarantining individuals. So that's when uh, we went ahead with the, uh, you know, we had that 90 days uh, option to purchase if we so choose. So it kind of locked in into place so it couldn't be, uh, if we needed that uh, asset, we could utilize it. So where it's at now, the Army Corps of Engineers took a look at it. They did a walkthrough as well as the state of Illinois, and I think they're making the determination if they would like to use the facility. And we pretty much said, well, it's here if you'd like, whatever, if we can assist in any way. Uh, we're here to help. And uh, come to find out, I think they have other medical equipment there that could be of use in this particular situation. So we just wanted to uh, lock it into place in case the asset would be needed. Uh, but we'll leave it up to the state and the Army Corps to determine if that's something they need. And if it's not, then, um, you know, they'll be uh, put back, uh, you know, uh, to see if it can be used in the future at some point in time. Governor J.B. Pritzker today at his briefing talked about these field hospitals that are being constructed in the Chicago area and said details will be coming soon on a central Illinois facility. So you don't know if, if that is what he's talking about, that old Vibra building? Is that uh, the, you're just not sure if that's uh, what will ultimately be the central Illinois location? Well, I'm sure that's a option, and that's what you want in this pandemic. You want options. So that definitely gives them a, a viable option, but uh, they may, you know, it just depends on how they're setting it up. You know, like in Chicago, they're using, uh, oh, um, the uh, center there, and then uh, other places are using open spaces and setting up tents. But the Vibra, you know, is a you know facility that could be put to use, but, uh, you know, that that's the best option. Uh, I'm sure it will go that direction, but if there's one better, they'll uh, choose that. You've got Fire Chief Alan Riney as the the city's representative in this sort of unified command uh, involving the city and the county and health experts and the hospitals and medical facilities and things. So how confident are you in the overall preparations, particularly with medical facilities? You know, we know that there's a real concern that if the numbers keep growing, we could see hospitals around the state being pushed beyond their capacity, both in ICU beds and in non-ICU beds. What what are you being told about uh, the the possibility of that happening here? Are we prepared for this? Do we have the facilities, the resources, the personnel, the beds to handle what may be coming? Well, uh, that's the importance of the stay at home and everybody doing their part because you don't want to overwhelm the medical community. Uh, with regards to our medical community, we have a second to none. We have two level one trauma centers with uh, Memorial Health Services and HSHS St. John's, and then you add in SIU Medicine and Springfield Clinic. But it's important that we allow them to do their job as much as possible by uh, staying safe ourselves. So that's why it's encouraged. If you do go out for groceries, just one person goes, not the whole family. I know Menard's put in place these nobody under the age of 16 because you should be going in, getting your materials, and leaving uh, because it's essential services, and that's what everybody needs to adhere to especially inside your house or business and outside as well, keeping that social distance of six foot. But um, Alan Riney, uh, I couldn't have picked a better chief, especially what we're dealing with right now. Uh, we have a class one rated uh, fire department. Only 3% in the country have that. Um, he was a paramedic. Uh, he understands the importance. He has a level head of what we're going through. He's actually set up the structure that they're working with and 
the emergency uh, response team with the county and the city and everybody together. The concern, though, quite honestly, is if there's that peak, I think right now the numbers are low. You don't want people getting complacent. We need to be vigilant. We need to reach out to our neighbors on social media and encourage everybody to do our part, stay at home all through the month of April as much as possible because we're asking for a short-term of sacrifice of time for the long-term uh, benefit of time. So uh, everybody needs to do their part with regards to that. Uh, but that's going to be the challenge with all of us. But we have a regional hospital facilities here. So, you know, smaller communities, their uh, people that are infected will probably come here as well. So it's just not Springfield. We have to look at logistically, and that's the concern is, uh, you know, from a regional standpoint, uh, we need to make sure everybody stays vigilant, do our part as much as possible through April or whenever the uh, stay-at-home order is lifted, which could be April or who knows. Mayor, I hate to bring up a sore subject, but I, I have to ask, do you get any pushback on that message when a couple, three weeks ago, as we were starting to be told, avoid crowds, stay away from these places, and you went out to a couple of bars on St. Patrick's Day weekend, and I know you took some heat for it, uh, when when you are now trying to send the message to everybody, stay at home, take this seriously, do you get any resistance to it? Uh, no, not really, because uh, we were in compliance, I mean, at that time, and that's the this is the pendulum that we've been on. I mean, uh, when we rang the bell, it was when the Amtrak uh, person, traveler, came through Springfield, made stops from Chicago to St. Louis. Uh, we were in heightened sense of security. Um, actually, I sent out a text early that morning, like 5 in the morning, to our you know medical uh, CEOs and said uh, we found out through the media, thankfully, Sunday night, late Sunday night, that the person was traveling through. And actually, I think they'd already had traveled through, but the media had broke the story, so sent the text message to the CEOs of um, all the medical providers here. And then I uh, said that, you know, our police department's going to go first thing in the morning to get the list. Well, it took them 48 hours to get that list uh, from Amtrak, and that's just through the bureaucracy of the process. So really, we needed a, you know, from the focus of that point, uh, that's where it should have been, and find out who all got off the train. But uh, time was of the essence. So Tuesday, we had city council meeting. Tuesday night, you have the basketball games that were happening with the SHG going to state, Lanfair going to state. And then, uh, you know, the next day is when they said, oh, cancel all the parades. So that's been this pendulum of swings of how to ratchet down the uh, crowd, things of that nature. But going to that Saturday is 250 or below within a facility. Um, and that, you know, the ones I visited were well below that. And so um, I think people understand that uh, just like we are now. Now it's a uh, no more than 10 people and, uh, you know, uh, keeping their six-foot distance, things of that nature. So what we've learned as we go along is each day is different, uh, the approach is different, and uh, that's what we're doing today. It's, and tomorrow will probably be different as well, but we all need to do our part to uh, adhere to it as much as possible. Mayor, let's return to um, how we're coping with the outbreak here locally. Uh, obviously, we've been talking about a number of city employees are now trying to do their jobs from home. There are some, though, who simply can't do that, particularly our first responders, police and firefighters. They're right there on the front lines of this. Do they have personal protective equipment, and, and what kind of supply do they have to keep our first responders safe? Uh, they do have some PPEs. Uh, you know, the fire, they're equipped uh, with regards to going into fire, so they probably had more uh, with regards to that. Uh, the police, uh, uh, they do have some. I think some actually came in today, but uh, is it enough? 
probably not. Uh, one thing that we are looking at is hand sanitizer. Um, and there's a local distillery that's trying to get the ingredients so they could actually make their own batch and provide that uh, to our first responders and the hospitals, things of that nature. So those are some of the logistical um, issues that have come up not only here but uh, throughout the state and country. Do any other city departments use PPEs that they might be able to donate it either to your first responders or to the medical community, whether it's masks or gloves or whatever it might be? Yeah, what uh, we're asking is uh, people that have that, if they would donate the PPEs, I think Springfield Clinic is one that gathering them. But, yeah, we would take any and all of those. Uh, one of the This is how things have changed. You know, we talk about each day changing. Well, people, when they first started, wanted to make them. At that point, they said, well, that really can't protect you. Now they're using those masks that people make over the, um, the N, uh, N95s or what have you. So it's an added layer of keeping that mask safe. So uh, we'd appreciate any and all donations associated with that, um, either through, you know, our own police department or fire department. But I believe Springfield Clinic has been taking those type of donations uh, as a central collection point. And, and I guess I was asking, do other city departments have, I don't know if Public Works oh, uses any of this, CWLP, uh, your housing inspectors, building inspectors, things like that. Do they have anything that they are being are able to redirect to uh, sort of the frontline workers in all of this? Yeah, they would have some, but not to the uh, level that uh, we need. Let's talk about the uh, emergency powers ordinance, and, and uh, you have been on with us a couple of times since this all started, and we always appreciate it. Uh, but since uh, the city council passed that uh, ordinance granting emergency powers in any number of different crises, and this certainly qualifies for that, you have utilized a couple of executive orders, uh, one uh, allowing uh, restaurants to be able to sell packaged liquors along with your carryout meal, uh, but then you, uh, you passed an, another one, signed another one in the last few days related to uh, groups of people congregating on city property, and this is an apparent attempt to address the homeless population gathering outside the library or around the fountain there outside City Hall. Had there been a problem with groups gathering there, and what's happening now that that executive order is in place? Well, uh, what we want to do is prevent it from happening. You know, as the weather warms up, that's when you have additional people congregating. And it started to uh, spike up a little bit, I think, uh, last week. Uh, so, you know, we were working with, uh, you know, the uh, homeless agencies that help out and some of their concerns. There is a housing group that uh, uh, kind of raised awareness of these type of gatherings and what's the in the best interest of the public in general. Because, you know, we have some good-hearted people uh, that, you know, they want to help uh, feed individuals, you know, pass things and some of the you know, uh, we don't know how community spread could happen, so uh, we should limit ourselves from passing items from one to another um, without properly uh, making sure we do the requirements of wiping them off or what have you. So that's uh, so twofold, one, to eliminate that. The other one is the congregation where we started seeing it and people weren't keeping their six-foot distance. And so that's why, we're, that's why we closed the municipal center complex. They still can walk through there. But as far as I uh, want to prevent that type of congregation from happening.
What's your sense as far as the the homeless shelters that are operating? And I know the Salvation Army has now taken uh, taken some people in after the uh, the winter warming center closed. Um, are we screening people for signs of the virus? And how concerned are you uh, of a possible hotspot erupting in in that setting? Well, it's always a concern wherever you're at, even at work or wherever the case may be, and that's what we're trying to prevent. Uh, You know, high rises, uh, that's another one. But with the Winter Warming Center, uh, you know, Salvation Army and Helping Hands were working together when the governor issued his stay-in-place or stay-in-home order. Um, You know, they were working to see if they could actually do that, not necessarily that they're required to, but have ample space in case what you said is uh, you have some type of outbreak. How do you protect everybody that you're trying to serve? So... From that aspect, the Winter Warming Center, you know, we had, um, you know, we couldn't keep people six feet apart. So that's why they decided to make the move to the Clear Lake facility, uh, which is a larger facility. They could spread people out more um, with the social distance. And so uh, what we've done with the Winter Warming Center, we did have a cleaning uh, entity come in and uh, desanitize it. And we have actually portable showers over there because they didn't have ample showers if you ever needed it. So it is a usable space if needed. Uh, with regards to homeless or whatever the case may be. Um, and we're just preparing for the worst, hoping you don't have to use it. But in case you do, it's uh, there uh, if need be. So that's some of the things they have done. One thing I would ask individuals to do, what we can do, is with food supplies. Uh, I know there's micro pantries that popped up at the various hospital or uh, high schools. And, uh, you know, if you fill those up, uh, but also like Salvation Army has a food pantry um, and also Coomler United Methodist Church, any type of food uh, organization, we need to fill them up as much as possible because with the closing of businesses, uh, people are on harder times. Uh, they may get relief from unemployment or what have you, but uh, we don't know what the demand will be on the food supply. So if we can all do our part a little bit as much as possible, then it will help get us through this uh, bump in the road, so to speak. Mayor, in a situation like this, and particularly in the age of social media, the rumor mill can go pretty wild. And I imagine you're hearing some of this too, people speculating on what may be happening. And I got a a question came in via Facebook uh, asking, uh, and I don't know what the basis even is for the question, but asking if you've heard anything about uh, the the governor shutting down takeout. Is is there any reason to think that the measures we've got in place, stay-at-home order, non-essential businesses closed, but restaurants can still operate? takeout and uh, drive-through and curbside, things like that. Any reason to think that any of those measures are going to get more stringent here in the next few days or the next several weeks? Well, I haven't heard that, but I was on a uh, U.S. Conference of Mayors. Uh, you know, we do have uh, webinars or, you know, uh, the Zoom meetings, and that was brought up actually today. Um, this was uh, brought up in that, and they, at that point in time, they said that the food, if you're handled properly, it, uh, it has a minimal uh, risk associated with it. But again, when you do carry out, what you should do is, uh, before you eat anything, what you should do is wash your hands. You know, you unpack it, put it on your plate, wash your hands, and then uh, you indulge and wash your hands afterwards. Um, you know, through the media yesterday on, uh, you know, a physician on well-known um, uh, uh, media avenue had said that 90% of the viruses um, how you get it is touching a infected surface and then you touch your face. So it's important that we eliminate that uh, hand-to-face contact as much as possible and to make sure before you eat, like I said, wash your hands, things of that nature. But as far as the governor 
and the curbside. I had not heard that. I know uh, other states might be looking at that, but uh, I think we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder here with us. And while uh, this is kind of dominating everything, uh, there are other things still going on in Springfield that city government has to tend to. One of those, of course, is crime. And, Mayor, it seems like in the last few days we have seen just a sudden surge in shots fired incidents. We've had a a homicide in the last couple of days. We've had multiple incidents of uh, people uh, being apprehended with firearms and things. So uh, tell me about how police are are handling that it's a challenge any year but especially given everything else that's going on right now and is the the virus outbreak delaying uh, the uh, efforts to get uh, shot spotter installed and giving police uh, an even quicker response uh, when these shots fired incidents happen well with regard to shot spotter we're moving forward with that project it's essential that we do so uh, we intend to fulfill that uh, within the next month or so but with regards to our police department, they are, you know, we have an excellent police force. Uh, they've been engaged with the community, which has helped. Uh, but with regards, you're right, there is a challenge. It's a dual uh, challenge now with the coronavirus and their ability to help protect from that aspect, but also keep us safe. I know they have uh, retrieved more uh, weapons than they had in the past uh, because of the, like you pointed out, some uptick uh, in that type of activity. And I know they made, I think, uh, at least one, if not two, arrests yesterday. I thought it was yesterday uh, with a particular incident. So they respond as quickly as possible. But we'd ask that the uh, public, whenever they see something on social media or hear of something, if they would notify our police department uh, or someone that they feel comfortable with to pass that information along. We'd really appreciate it. Certainly, it's nice to be able to uh, take a little break from all of the relentless virus news to talk about some good news for this city, some uh, big funding being promised for the rail improvements project and consolidating that rail traffic onto 10th Street. Tell us about the announcement that was made yesterday. Um, Yes, I will. Uh, The police local dispatch, if I could get that number real quick as a follow-up to what we just asked, it's Mm -hmm. 788 8311. So okay. if they want to report something not emergency, uh, kind of a tip, that'd be helpful. Absolutely. But as far as the rail, that was very exciting. Uh, the Illinois Commerce Commission awarded uh, $33 million towards the um, 10th Street corridor, specifically $11 million for each the Madison and Jefferson underpass projects, as well as uh, North Garand realignment associated with the rail project. So what we'll do um, is leverage those dollars, uh, apply for a build grant or some type of federal funding of about $50 million, and that would give us the next piece that we need to um, complete that whole rail project and be able to move the trains from the 3rd Street corridor to the 10th Street corridor. So that was very welcome news, especially what we're going through right now. You know, uh, and we've already had a couple of underpasses completed. Uh, Carpenter and Ash works continuing now on Laurel, as well as the 5th and 6th Street projects. Uh, these would be the remaining underpasses. Not not to be the downer at the party, Mayor, but if you don't get that federal funding, and right now they're pouring a couple of trillion dollars into coronavirus relief, so uh, it's up in the air as to what that means for, for other priorities. But if you don't get the 50, uh, 50 million from the feds what what happens then with all these underpasses do we still not wind up moving uh, all the rail traffic to 10th street or what what goes goes on then well we have a great uh, leadership at the federal level with senator durbin and duckworth and congressman lahood and davis 
And so this is almost to the point of no return where, you know, no level of government wants to pour that much money into a project and not see it to fruition. And so we're at the tail end of it. So I don't see that happening. Plus, uh, we could, you know, uh, we're working with the Federal Railroad Administration. Uh, the individual director there has ties with Springfield, so he understands the importance. So, uh, but, you know, you always have that what-if scenario. It's an important enough project, especially with economic development associated with our medical community on development of uh, not only the 3rd Street, but also the 10th Street side with the uh, intermodal hub and moving that direction, which would have uh, extreme impact on development. And I've heard from leadership, it uh, doesn't matter if it's Republican, Democrat, from the federal level, uh, all the way down, that we need to look at the end of the pandemic and how do we start economic development. And this is one project that will help spur that uh, exponentially. Mayor, last question. In the year 2020 BC, before coronavirus, we spent a lot of time talking about things like the uh, the UIS downtown university presence and where that might go. And obviously, we haven't heard anything about that for uh, probably about a month now, as we've been dealing almost exclusively with this. Are things still happening behind the scenes? Is that entire idea on hold because all of our attention is being focused on the virus? Where does that stand? I know UIS and Innovate Springfield, they recently held a uh, webinar with the Small Business Administration programs and what they offer. And so I think that just raises the level of importance, especially when you look at that project. It was geared towards, um, you know, many different facets, but one was with Innovate Springfield and innovation. And so uh, the next level of job opportunities uh, coming from this will be, I think, medically related, technologically related, and through innovation and entrepreneurship. So this, uh, again, would prove the importance of pursuing that as uh, quickly as possible. And I think as dollars are allocated, I think uh, the White House briefing that I had uh, listened in on, they were talking about vertical uh, infrastructure. So that would parlay right into that. Uh, but do you have a sense that there's going to be any movement on it anytime soon? Or is, this, uh, is everything just getting pushed to the back burner other than the immediate crisis? Well, where was that was with the universities. I mean, they have to have the need and the impetus to really push it forward. I think they were getting to that direction uh, with regard to the state and local level, uh, private sector. We all want to expand our um, university presence downtown. So really it's up to the universities to determine what their space needs are when all this settles and uh, move forward in that direction. But with Innovate Springfield, I know for sure that they were looking to expand because they were kind of busting at the seams. And, Mayor, and I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm, I'm out of time. Always oh, appreciate your time. That's okay. Thank you. We will talk soon. Mayor Jim Langfelder, thanks again okay. for the time.